Welcome to Music History Monday for November 22nd, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title for today's podcast is Benjamin Britten, The Making of a Composer. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the birth on November 22, 1913, 108 years ago today, of the English composer, pianist, and conductor Edward Benjamin Britten in Lowestoft, Suffolk, on the eastern coast of England, roughly 105 miles northeast of London. He died in nearby Aldeburgh on December 4, 1976, at the age of 63. The danger of overstatement is great when tossing around superlatives, but with Britain, it's no danger at all. He was not just the most important English composer of the 20th century. He was, arguably, the most important English-born composer since Henry Purcell, who was born in London in 1659, 246 years before Britain. Britain composed scads of music. That's a musical term, scads. Orchestral music, choral music, chamber music, vocal music, and film music as well. But pride of place must go to his dramatic works, his War Requiem, of 1962, and his 15 operas. Those operas include Peter Grimes, 1945, Billy Budd, 1951, Turn of the Screw, 1954, A Midsummer Night's Dream, 1960, Prodigal Son, 1968, and Death in Venice, 1974. Britain's operas constitute by any measure, the most significant body of opera composed during the 20th century. Britain was lucky enough to have experienced fame and fortune in his lifetime. As Baron Britain of Aldeburgh in the county of Suffolk, he was the first composer ever to be granted a life peerage. Britain's was a rich, intense, and not uncontroversial life. This post will focus on his first 28 years, from his birth until 1941, the period that saw his making of a composer. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post will pick up in 1941 and will focus on Britain's string quartet number no. one of 1941. In the beginning, let us contemplate today's date, November 22nd. For people of my generation, that date will always represent one thing, the assassination of President John F. Kennedy in 1963. But for Benjamin Britten, born on this date in 1913, November 22nd represented something else. It is the feast day of St. Cecilia, the patron saint of music. Britain's birth date pleased his mother Edith no end. 
Britain's childhood friend, Basil Reed, recalled that, quote, Britain's mother was determined that he should be a great musician. Quite often, we would talk about the three Bs, Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms, and the fourth B was to be Britain, unquote. His mother's ambitions aside, Britain grew up in what he called, quote, a very ordinary middle-class family, unquote, in Lostoft, an East Anglian beach town on the North Sea. Britain began piano lessons at seven. At the age of eight, he was enrolled in South Lodge Preparatory School, just down the hill from his family home. The headmaster of the South Lodge School was a math teacher named Thomas Sewell, a Cambridge graduate and World War I veteran who was then in his mid-thirties. If you were good at math, as was young Britain, you had no problem with Sewell. But if your math skills were not up to snuff, Sewell spared not the rod. In a 1971 interview, Britain recalled, quote, I can remember, I think it was my very first day that I was in school, that I heard a boy being beaten. And I can remember my absolute astonishment that people didn't immediately rush to help him. And to find that such beatings were condoned and accepted was something that shocked me. Whether or not it all grew from that, I don't know." Unquote. It refers to Britain's lifelong pacifism. His partner, Peter Pears, believed that Britain's it did indeed start in response to Headmaster Sewell's brutality. Pears said, quote, he, Britain, organized a protest at his prep school about some beating or other, and he got into a certain amount of trouble over that, unquote. Britain began writing music when he was five years old. He described his early efforts as, quote, elaborate tone poems, usually lasting about 20 seconds, inspired by the terrific events of my home life, unquote. One such surviving work, written when Britain was six, is entitled, Do You Know That My Daddy Has Gone to London Today? What we should take from this information regarding his precocity is that Benjamin Britten, like Wolfgang Mozart, Franz Schubert, Felix Mendelssohn, and Dmitri Shostakovich, was a natural-born composer, one who began writing music at the same time he began writing words. Typical of such composers, who instinctively translate the events of their everyday life into music, Britten was prolific. He composed roughly 800 works, including Do You Know That My Daddy Has Gone to London Today, before his first publication at the age of 19. Britain attended the Royal College of Music in London from 1929 until 1933, from the age of 16 to 20 where he scooped up virtually every composition prize available. He was not impressed with either his fellow students or the faculty. He found the former amateurish and folksy, and the latter, quote, inclined to suspect technical brilliance, 
of being superficial and insincere, unquote. Is Britain being condescending here? Ha <laughs> ha, you bet. But his talent was such that he simply stood head and shoulders above his fellow students and his faculty. Weiston Hugh Auden, 1907 to 1973. In April of 1935, the 22-year-old Benjamin Britten went to work composing soundtracks for the film unit of the General Post Office, the GPO, which made documentary films for the English government. On Friday, July 5, 1935, Britton had a working lunch with a school teacher and part-time GPO film unit employee named Weiston Hugh Auden, or simply W.H. Auden. Auden, who was six years older than Britton, already had a reputation as a poet and political lefty. He also made no bones about his homosexuality, if you'll excuse me, at a time when homosexual practices were strictly against the law in the United Kingdom. Britain biographer Humphrey Carpenter describes Auden, quote, magnetically charming, casually bohemian, intellectually a bully, he was able to mesmerize Britain from the first moments of their meeting. Britain described him in his diary as a very brilliant and attractive personality, the most amazing man." Unquote. Auden's outspoken political views and sexuality played a pivotal role in helping Britain to define his own politics and sexuality. In those years of the Great Depression, when it appeared that the only country that was taking care of its working class was the Soviet Union, Auden was staunchly pro-communist and anti-fascist, views that resonated with and reinforced Britain's own. More importantly, Auden's unapologetic homosexuality allowed Britain to remove himself from the closet he hadn't entirely realized he was living in. Auden decided that Britain was the real deal, the future of English music. In this, he was entirely correct. But for all his musical accomplishment and potential, emotionally, Benjamin Britten was, in 1935, at the age of 22, still something of a schoolboy. A diary entry made after an evening spent with W.H. Auden and his friends reflects well Britain's youth and inexperience. Quote, I always feel very young and stupid when with these brains. I mostly sit silent when they hold forth about subjects in general. What brains? Unquote. Out of the closet and into the fire. Recapping the news, in 1935, the 22-year-old Benjamin Britten meets the 28-year-old poet and unapologetic homosexual W.H. Auden. Britten, who is in total denial of his own sexuality, is enthralled by Auden. It is thanks to his contact with Auden and Auden's circle that Britten is able to face and accept his own sexual inclinations and the social and legal ramifications they represent. Coming out can be difficult enough today. In England, 
in the late 1930s with its sodomy laws and misplaced machismo, homosexual activity was a criminal offense. The journalist Peter Wildblood, who was the diplomatic correspondent for the Daily Mail, wrote about his own experiences as a homosexual in Britain at the time. Quote, a man who feels an attraction towards other men is a social misfit only. Once he gives way to the attraction, he becomes a criminal. This is not the case in most other countries, where the behavior of consenting adults in private is considered a matter for themselves alone. Britain and America are among the few countries in which such behavior constitutes an offense. And in America, the law is reduced to absurdity by the fact that it applies to a variety of acts between men and women as well, whether they are married or not. It has been estimated that a strict application of the law in America would result in imprisonment of two-thirds of the adult population, and as a result, it is seldom invoked, even against homosexuals. In Britain, however, where, for our information, buggery carried a maximum sentence of life in prison, the law is very much alive, and heavy penalties are incurred by anyone who breaks it." Unquote. The draconian legal ramifications notwithstanding, in 1936, the 23-year-old Benjamin Britten was coming face to face with his own nature. On June 5, 1936, he wrote in his diary, quote, long thinking walk after tea, but not to much purpose. Life is a pretty hefty struggle these days, sexually as well. Decisions are so hard to make, and it's difficult to look unprejudiced on apparently abnormal things, unquote. Yeah, Britain biographer Humphrey Carpenter observes, quote, Britain was imprisoned in emotional immobility because his feelings of sexual attraction were exactly balanced by a fear of apparently abnormal things, unquote. As it often happens, it was a traumatic event that brought about Britain's sexual liberation, a sexual liberation that would allow his compositional muse to veritably explode. On January 31, 1937, his beloved mother, Edith, died of a heart attack. Britain was crushed. He was the biggest mommy's boy since Oedipus. But, but his mother's death freed him to be who he had to be. Just five weeks later, on March 6, 1937, Britton attended a rehearsal of the BBC Singers. Among those he lunched with that day was a tenor, who, at 27, was three years older than Britton. The singer's name was Peter Neville Luard Piers, 1910-1986. Though it would take a couple of years, Britton and Piers became partners a partnership that lasted until Britain's death in 1976. It was a complete partnership, spiritual, sexual, and professional, 
Piers became Britain's musical inspiration and collaborator. If all marriages, okay, partnerships, were like that of Benjamin Britten and Peter Piers, I'd humbly suggest we'd have no more wars. I like to be in America. Despite Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain's assertion that his negotiations with Hitler over the fate of Czechoslovakia had achieved peace for our time, those proverbial clouds of war were gathering fast over Europe in late 1938. In January of 1939, W. H. Auden, seeing those clouds, seeing the writing on the wall, pick your cliché, moved to the United States. Soon enough, his departure would come to be considered a betrayal by the people back home in Britain. But Benjamin Britten did not see it that way, and once again, Auden's example rocked Britain's world. War was coming, and he, Britain, was a sworn pacifist. And for Britain, the lure of America wasn't simply a matter of his pacifism in a time of potential war. There was monetary opportunity in America as well. Britain's work with the English film industry had garnered him some financial offers from Hollywood. So it was that for many reasons, Benjamin Britten and Peter Pears set out for America in April of 1939, four and a half months before the beginning of World War II. In an interview given in 1980, four years after Britain's death, Pears did his best to explain their choice. Quote, Somehow, things weren't working awfully well in England, and we were both pacifists, and we didn't see what we were going to do when war broke out. Short of going to prison, which didn't terribly appeal, we decided, as Auden had earlier, that the only thing to do was go to America." Unquote. Now, we should take that statement with a grain, perhaps a boulder of salt, because in fact, pacifists did not go to prison in wartime Britain. Unpopular, though they may have been with the rest of the population, there were all sorts of non-military jobs available for conscientious objectors. And when the war did break out on September 1st, 1939, and Britain and Piers inquired as to whether they should return to England, the British Embassy told them to stay put, as only folks with technical skills were being repatriated. Britain's initial enthusiasm for North America was quickly replaced by homesickness and severe ill health, including a near-fatal fever of 107 degrees, which Britain later claimed was a result of his homesickness. The rising tide of negative opinion towards him back home in England didn't help his state of mind either. Even before the war, Benjamin Britten had come to be considered by many to be among the best and the brightest, the future of English concert music. But at a time when Dmitry Shostakovich remained in the besieged Leningrad to compose his Symphony No. 7, and young Brits were dying on the fields, beaches, and in the skies of Europe, while the urban English population were hunkered down in bomb shelters, 
Benjamin Britten, was perceived as gallivanting safely around New York and California with his boyfriend in tow. The music critic for the Times of London, Ernest Newman, dubbed the controversy the Battle of Britain. Homesick and depressed, though he might have been, Britain's compositional flame burned bright during his years in North America. Those years saw the composition of, among other works, Britain's operetta, Paul Bunyan, the violin concerto, Opus 15, the Sinfonia da Requiem, Opus 20 for orchestra, the suite for orchestra, Matinee's Musicale, Opus 24, the Scottish Ballad for Two Pianos and Orchestra, Opus 26, and a string quartet, the first of his three numbered string quartets. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes Post will tackle Britain's string quartet number one, the remainder of his stay in the United States, and his controversial return to England in 1942. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.